Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're going to talk some football, and nowadays that means anything related to Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Guess who is somewhat in the middle of all that? It's our buddy Trent Green, CBS NFL announcer, but lives in Kansas City, played for the Chiefs. I think you remember his career, played for the Rams, went to Vianney. Uh, So much to talk about with Trent, about the Chiefs, what's going on there with Mahomes, who is just sort of the center of the football universe, working with Kevin Harlan. What a great announcing crew that is. Harlan and Trent on CBS. And I think the only thing Trent wishes he'd get a few more Chiefs games because they're a premier team, but also he wouldn't have to travel. So the Kill Gun Conversation is with Trent Green, talking football, talking life. He really is uh, one of the best guys in sports. We're coming to you from the Pasta House Studios. On the run with the kids, it's that time of year, especially when the sports season. We're about to switch into winter ball with baseball, baseball giving away to basketball, at least in our house. You go from one practice to the next. Easiest thing to do, order the food online at pastahouse.com or stop by any of those 19 area locations. Everything is made fresh every single day. Appliance discounters for all your appliance needs. Biggest names, lowest prices. It's a great formula. It's been working for more than a decade now. Online, it's theappliancediscounters.com. GE, Frigidaire, all the big names, lowest prices, theappliancediscounters.com. Marie DeVilla Senior Living at the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. It's real simple. Since 1960, the premier place to spend your retirement years Marie Davila Senior Living. Take a virtual tour at mariedavilla.com. All levels of care. The Villa Estates, beautiful homes on the campus, assisted living. Wherever you are on the campus, you have access to all the great amenities, including the food and the events that they put on at the clubhouse. Such a cool spot. Marie Davila Senior Living and our good friends at Triad Bank, longtime sponsors of the Kilcoin Conversation. St. Louis Base Bank, five-star rated bank, been around since 2005. And business owners have figured this out. Trying to get things done, you might as well work with the folks who are based right here in St. Louis. They're on Clayton Road in Frontenac, also on Olive, just west of 270, or on the web at triadbanking.com. And now our visit with Trent Green. Longtime NFL quarterback and still, I looked this up, still on the Chiefs, third all-time in passing yardage. There's only two names ahead of him. That would be Len Dawson and a guy named Mahomes, who I, I guess is making a name for himself. And Trent on the line with us, who still calls Kansas City home. Trent, great to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing great. And, and yes, Patrick just passed me up, and uh, and that's you know that's that's nice company to be in when you got uh, a Hall of Famer at the top and a uh, Hall of Famer whenever it is he decides to retire because. Having won two Super Bowls and a couple of MVPs, he's he's in that direction for sure. And you've lived there for a while, and when you played there, the Chiefs were good and the Chiefs were popular. Have you ever seen anything like, I mean, the Mahomes mania, just the, even in St. Louis, I mean, there's Chiefs gear everywhere. This, I think for that franchise, this is kind of at a whole nother level right now. 
It really is, and, it, and it's even a more of a level. Uh, obviously, we're in different times than when Lynn Dawson and you know they went to a couple of Super Bowls, went to Super Bowl one, uh, one Super Bowl four. Uh, you know, just a different time, different era. Football's a bigger deal now, and even you know, you even go back to the early '90s when when the Chiefs you know, acquired Joe Montana and Marcus Allen. And, you know, that, I mean, that's a big deal, right? And it's still um, still not anything like what uh, what they're experiencing right now. It's, uh, you know, and then and not that we have to get into it right away. Uh, and then you all of a sudden add Taylor Swift to the mix. And you're, you know, it's, it's millions upon millions more um, people following and, you know, it's uh, kind of the joke around here is, you know, oh, who's this Travis Kelsey guy that Taylor Taylor made famous? And, of course, all the football people are like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, so it's, um, yeah, it's it's a good era of Chiefs football, that's for sure. Now, do you and Harlan, do you have any Chiefs games coming up? We do not, no. And, and that's the crazy thing about it. So Kevin and I, uh, Kevin Harlan, um, you know, he was a longtime Chiefs announcer, and then now he's doing, you know, obviously – CBS, TNT, all the all the stuff, and he lives most of the year here in Kansas City, and then I live, you know, all the time here in Kansas City, and and so we've only had, I think we had one game last year, and it was on the road in Houston. Uh, we didn't have any games the previous year. Um, you know, they're doing all these big primetime games, and they're so big now that uh, that Kevin and I rarely, you know, I do the preseason games for him, but I rarely get. Uh, Rarely get a regular season game. Because I was thinking you and Kevin would have a ton of fun with the Taylor Swift, the cutaways. I know some of the guys on <laughs> like on the Burkhart Olsen crew, I know some guys who work on it, and they're like, dude, it was crazy because yes. once the game gets out of hand and that Bears-Chiefs game maybe on paper wasn't even going to be a great game, but it became a blot, I think, and you know this from the production world, the producers, the truck calls a lot of the shots there. You almost have to play up the Taylor Swift. If the game's terrible – I think right. the, you go to that and just kind of have fun. You and Kevin would have a ton of fun with that. And I I would think Kansas City right now, we talked about the Chiefs being crazy, but you're right with this whole Taylor Swift thing. And, and Kelsey's the perfect guy to do it because he's going to have fun right. with it. If he was a really private, quiet guy, it'd be really uncomfortable. But he's he's just like the perfect guy for this. Right. And he, uh, you know, if, if I'm not sure if you saw his Saturday Night Live uh as the host um, this past offseason, and uh, he did a tremendous job. One of the, one of the best athlete performances, I think, just because he's he's willing to make fun of himself, he's willing to laugh at himself, he's willing to do, you know, kind of over the top stuff. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, you're right. It's 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 a it's a good mix. Um, the, the crazy thing about that, and, and you you know this because you're you know you said you're close to a bunch of guys on that Fox crew. That was Fox's highest rated game. Yeah. And it was a blowout. Yeah. And it was just it's just it's just it's crazy, um, you know, crazy the influence that she has. The other thing about Mahomes, I would say it seems and again, I don't know him at all, but it seems like he's just a really decent guy. Like just very I'm sure you're around him a fair amount, but he just seems very likable. He is, you know, and he's he's handled it all well. Uh I know that uh you know, whether it's his brother or his or his wife or family members or whatever, they take a lot of heat um, because they deal they do social media stuff and they do stuff. And um, but he has always handled everything uh, first class. He really has. Uh, from the second he got here, uh, you know, even though they they moved up in the draft to get him, they acquired him. You know, they had Alex Smith was here, and Alex Smith at that time 
was the highest rated quarterback in the NFL. He was coming off a season, you know, having won the division, uh, was playing at a really high level. Yet they drafted Patrick and they said, listen, you're going to sit behind Alex. Um, and, and he purpose, he purposely didn't want, didn't want to do like ads and everything. As a first round pick, you have opportunities to do different things around town or even nationally. And he purposely is like, this is Alex's team. I'm just going to hang back. I'm just going to try and learn as much as I can. And then of course now, you know, the success that he's had and, you know, um, the commercial success that he's had because he's, he's on everything. Um, I thought he just handled that all really well, handled it with great class and, and, you know, the way uh, he goes about his business, his charity work. And, you know, I, I can sit here and go on and on about all the different good things that he does. But I just think from the very beginning, he's handled it all very well. We had your former coach, Mike Martz, on a couple of weeks ago and living in St. Louis again, which is crazy. Moved from yeah. California. Yeah, I said, Coach, right. yeah, from San Diego to St. Louis. I said, what are you doing, Coach? we got to get you on the tourism board. But he still, <laughs> he still watches a ton of games. He's on that 33rd network, and he's got a lot of great critique. But we were talking about how – it's a mistake for QBs to play right away, but you see it in the NFL right now. Everyone's playing right away. What What's the perfect scenario for a QB? And you, and you played it coming into the league. Do they need a year on the bench? What and does it? I guess it could depend on the guy, but it seems like right now they're just getting right. thrown out there. Well, I mean, you can go through the history of you know guys that played right away and had success. You know, whether you're talking the Dan Marinos or the Peyton Mannings. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco had great success when they started as rookies. They both made the playoffs their first four years in the league. They had put up big numbers. Their teams did well. Uh, but I think there's more guys on that list that were thrown in right away and just weren't ready. Um, you know, fortunately for the Cowboys and Troy Aikman, he got beat up a ton. Um, just uh, the, the number of times he was sacked, he was 0-11 as a starter his rookie year. And really – if it wasn't for the system and for his diligence as a player and the coaching staff and, and then the players they built around him. I mean, Troy, obviously, you know, Hall of Fame career and won three Super Bowls. And, you know, but that's, you know, you we've all seen the guys that start and they just get beat up like that and they're losing and it just mentally it just wears on you. And uh, and I, I really felt that with uh, with the Jets and with Zach Wilson. You know, I thought, here's a kid, he was he was really young when he came in the league. He was only 20, 21 years old, something like that. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be great having Aaron Rodgers there because he's got the talent. You can see, we, we, we saw it in the game Sunday night against the Chiefs. You see the talent is there. It's just, I made this comment uh, earlier in the week. I said, you know, I said for him, he just needs to get the game to slow down. And, and, it's, and it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it. You, you can have all the talent in the world. We can, we can have a pickup game, and you're like, man, that guy's got all the talent in the world, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever it may be. But when you get in that moment, like how many good golfers do you see? And it's like, man, why are you playing on the tour? And it's like, well, you get on the tour, all of a sudden that, that 10-foot putt, you know, when, when everything's on the line, it's a whole different 10-foot putt than it is. You know, it's, um, it's just the mental part of playing sports at the, at the highest level. You know, some guys just need a little bit of time. Now, you know, my career, I was an eighth-round pick, and, and, and it took me forever to get on the field. But I felt like when I got on the field, I was ready. I knew how I wanted to handle, you know, the offseason, how I wanted to deal with my teammates, how I wanted to deal with the training part of it, the media part of it, the charity part of it, balancing the family part of it. It's just, you know, it's just the maturity of it. Um, I felt or I wish it had happened a lot sooner uh, I, I didn't think I needed five or six years to get on the field. I wish it had been been quicker, 
but I do think the guys that sit for a year, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, you know, sat for some time. Tom Brady, nobody knew Tom Brady was Tom Brady when, when he sat for that first year. The, the Patriots kept four quarterbacks his rookie year because they didn't want to try and sneak him through in the practice squad. So, you know, there are certain guys, I think, that, that, that benefit a lot from sitting. You have those outliers, like I said, the Mannings, the Marinos, the Matt Ryans, guys that come in and, and have success right away. But I do think that there's a benefit to uh, to sitting and, and watching a little bit, and just trying to learn the NFL game and and uh, maybe get things to slow down a little bit. I'm shocked how often they miss out on guys. You were an eighth-round pick. Kurt Warner wasn't drafted. Tom Brady was a seventh-rounder. And then this Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant in a year when, you know, or a year or two after, you know, Trey Lance was taken yep. third overall, and now the guy who was taken dead last is the QB of the future. As a QB and guys who kind of wait and pay their dues, I bet you guys are always saying, well, wait a minute, how did they – like, it seems like they miss a lot for study. They study a lot of film, and they seem to get it wrong a lot. They do, and I think it's it's like a lot of things. Um, you know, I think you get caught up in, oh, look how big that guy is. Look how fast that guy is. Look, Oh, yeah. he can throw it 75 yards. I mean, it's it's – you know, you get caught up in a lot of that, and then some of it is like – you know, how does he adapt to – how does he work with his teammates? How quickly does he pick up an offense? How um, how easily can he adapt to, to certain situations? You know, it's there's um, there's just another part of playing the position that, that goes beyond what you can see on paper and on stats. You know, you look at a Justin Herbert, right, and he's just this big, enormous guy that can throw, he can run, he can all this stuff, and he's, he's, he's lived up to it. He started from a rookie and, and you know, put up the big numbers. Um you know, but there's but there's guys that that like you brought up Brock Purdy. You know, guys that just need a little bit of time. Um, you know, Sam Howell, what he's doing with the Commanders. You know, it's you, you see guys like that that uh, you know get thrown in there, and they're just it's like okay, he's and who knows what Sam Howell's going to end up being. Um, you know, Brock Purdy's got a great team around him, and he's managing everything really well, and he's got this calmness about him, and his teammates love him. Uh, we had one of their games last year and getting a chance to talk to him. He's just got this calmness and a presence about him that it's not too big of a moment. And he's not overly cocky or he's confident, but he's not overly cocky. And he's just, he's like, I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in my teammates. I believe in what the coaches are telling me. And I just stay within the system. And yeah, it's great to, you know, be surrounded by the talent they have there, but you still got to execute it. You still have to do it. And, uh, and he's been able to, uh, been able to make that happen. Trent Green, our guest on the Kilcoin Conversation. He and Kevin Harlan, outstanding broadcast team on CBS Sports. You also hear him. You're still doing Westwood One, right? On doing some of the radio and I do some playoff games from time to time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not. I'm not the the consistent guy just because I I like being home more than yeah. than, than, than in airports and hotels. So. But I know you've done some of that over the years. But you and Kevin yes, Harlan, great broadcast team. How much fun is Harlan to work with? Because his humor does come out at times, just very dry, subtle. But he seems he's got a line here or there that if you're paying attention it's usually really funny oh it's it's he, he's a blast to work with he's uh i've been really fortunate you mentioned those westwood one years uh i worked for four years with ian eagle yeah. who's uh who's now you know one of the top guys at cbs and and i work with greg gumble for six years my first six years with cbs and then now this is my fourth season with kevin harlan so uh, I've, I've been partnered with some incredible, incredible announcers. Uh, Kevin is is one of the all-time best. Uh, he's been honored with that, with National Sportscaster of the Year multiple times, uh, whether it's radio, 
which he's tremendous on the radio because the way he describes things and his visualization and, and the way he, his words come out, um, you know, he, he's he's the voice of NBA 2K with all the all, all the kids playing the video games. You know, get to hear his voice all the time, and and you know, he does a bunch of NBA stuff and in, in the NFL, and and he's just a pro. You know, I I love it because you know he's always going to be prepared. The shocking thing that a lot of people don't realize is that he doesn't use a spotter. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't have some. Normally, normally the play-by-play guys, you have a spotter on one side and you have a stat guy on the other, and they're just feeding you information the whole time because there's a lot you have to do as a play-by-play guy and, and what you're juggling through the course of the game. And then on top of it, you know, Kevin does a Sunday game with us. He does a Monday game for radio for Westwood One, and then he does uh, when the NBA season starts. He he does an NBA game during the week, whether it's Usually it's on a Thursday once they get into their regular rotation. So we do a Thursday game basketball, Sunday game football, Monday game football, and he doesn't use a spotter. And, and I think that's the thing that, that just uh, speaks to the volumes of the amount of work that he puts in, uh, being prepared, and, and what he does in terms of his preparation, knowing the rosters and knowing the players and, and having the background stories. and um Yes, and then he throws in some of that dry humor that uh, that catches you off guard. We we had one this uh, we had one this this past week that kind of caught me off guard. I go, did you really just say that? He just he he just started cracking up so that I started cracking up. And here we are in the middle of the game, both laughing at, at one of his. He tried sneaking in this little this little comment, and and I couldn't let it go. I just looked at him and started cracking up laughing. But it, yes, it it does. Uh, he, he's a lot of fun to work with. And it's so funny the calls in my head. I'm hearing it's usually. When like uh, guys have run on the field, it's like the man is on the field. The man is drunk. And then he's like, <laughs> and during the Super Bowl, I think the Chiefs are. He's like, we got a screwball on the field right now. Like so descriptive of a screwball yes. running around. How, how about for you when you're at Viani? Did you think, hey, I'll play in the NFL one day? I mean, did you did you think that? No, I uh, uh, you know I was just trying to. I, you know, I really was a basketball guy. I'll, I'll be honest. I was, I was a, I went to Vianney. I mainly was a basketball. I didn't start playing football until seventh grade. I didn't start playing quarterback until the end of my eighth grade year. Wow. Um, so football was just, um, it was like the, my second favorite sport. Basketball was what I, what I did. I went to Vianney. My older brother went to Vianney. So that's how I ended up at Vianney. And, and then all of a sudden my sophomore year, I started uh, varsity uh, at, in football and in basketball. And and things just started rolling, and that's that's when that's when I finally realized, oh wait a second, you mean somebody's going to actually pay for my education? Um, so that's when that's when the scholarship stuff started to talk. I, I had no idea. So I think we all had dreams. Everybody goes in the, uh, or at least the the generation I grew up as, you know, you'd run out at halftime and and you'd try and. Uh, you know, copy the plays that you saw in the first half during halftime. My brother and I would go run around the yard and, and hey, you know, this kickoff return, this punt return, this catch, this throw, whatever. And then all of a sudden, hey, the second half's on, you run back in to watch the second half. So, you know, I think uh, I think everybody – or you'd be standing in the driveway, okay, it's the final four. you got you got to make this free throw to send your team to the final – you know, it's, it, you know, you put yourself in those, in those situations. Um, so I think everybody has those dreams, but I didn't know at that time, you know, I was more excited that, uh, that, that all these schools were coming to me and offering me a free ride to school. And I was going to, I was going to actually have someone pay for my school um, because I didn't know how that was going to happen. 
was Mizzou so, was no, Mizzou on you? Was that would have been Woody Wiedenhofer maybe or? Yeah, they they weren't. Um, they had uh, they had Ronnie Cameron at the time, the East St. Louis former East St. Louis quarterback, and they were running more of an option offense. It was Woody Wiedenhofer, um, and so yeah, it was kind of a mutual thing. So they recruited a bunch of a uh, bunch of linemen uh, that we had. We ended up having a couple of offensive linemen. That Kirk Ferentz was the offensive line coach for Hayden Fry at Iowa. Um, so he took it. He came. Kirk came down and got a couple of our our linemen. Uh, my my was Kenny Allgaier year. there was that Allgaier? Yeah, Kenny Allgaier yeah. would have been my sophomore year, and then Bob Moeller my uh, my junior year. So both those guys ended up going to. So Missouri was there all the time recruiting. It was just they came in and they said, "Listen, uh, you don't run what we run, and we don't run what you want to run." So and we, I'm like, "Listen, we're on the same page." I go, "It's." I know I'm the in-state quarterback, and you guys are right down the road. I go, but I don't fit your offense, and and you don't fit what I'm looking for. To, you know, I'm not an option guy. So it was kind of a mutual thing. It wasn't any animosity or anything. It was it was all communicated. Um, so yeah, no, that that was why Mizzou was never really in the mix. And how about when you came to the Rams? I, you know, when when March was on, I said, did you come as a package deal with Trent? He said, no. He said, Vermeil talks me into the job. And then we start evaluating, and they realize they're going to move on from Tony Banks. So when March left D.C., he really didn't want to leave because he was working with you, and you kind of just got things humming with him. When did that kind of arrangement work out where you said, okay, I'm getting back, I'm going to St. Louis, and I'm going to be in my hometown, and I'm with Coach March? Well, it really started, I guess it probably would have started, you know, so the St. Louis thing didn't happen until all of a sudden, you know, when, when Mike signed there, and things weren't coming together with Washington at the time. Um, it just, they just, there was, there was no movement from a contract standpoint. And, and I've told people I, I loved playing under North Turner. Uh, I had Cam Cameron as my quarterback coach for two years. Mike March is my quarterback coach for two years. That offense, it's what I, the offense I was in most of, if not all of my career. So it was, uh, it was an offense I felt very comfortable with. My wife and I, we had been in in DC. For four years, we really liked it. Our our oldest son TJ was born there, and uh, yeah, we had no intention of leaving. There were just a set of circumstances that were going on there. Uh, Jack Kent Cook had passed away, the owner, in in '97, uh, so it was handed over to his foundation. Unbeknownst to a lot of us, is that foundation had to sell the team the following year. Uh, the the foundation also had to make all the financial decisions for the team. So anything that Charlie Casterly, the GM wanted to do had to go through the foundation, which wasn't football people. It was, it was just board members that that Jack had put on his board. So there was an ownership change that was happening. There was some issues with the financial part of it. There was, there was a lot that was going into it. You know, that, that 98 season, I ended up starting 14 games. And if at some point in time during the season, they had come to me and said, hey, we want to lock you in for the next three years, four years, whatever it may be. I had been a year-to-year contract guy. I had been, a, um, you know, from the time I was drafted, I was minimum contract, no signing bonus. Uh, here you go, minimum contract. No sign- I mean, it was like, I was like a year-to-year. So if all of a sudden in 98 you'd come to me and said, hey, we're going to give you three years of security, we're going to give you, uh, um, you know, some financial security and a bonus – uh, we probably, more likely than not, we probably would have taken it just knowing, you know, what we, uh, the situation we had been in. Um, so the season ended, none of that together. There still was no contract offer. All of a sudden, we're two, three days away from free agency starting. 
before they presented me with their first offer. And at that point in time, I already knew Mike was in St. Louis. Um, and so I was like, I told Charlie, I told Norv, I was like, listen, I love it here. We love it here as a family. Um, but I'm this close. Now I got to find out. I go, if you guys had brought me this month ago, a couple months ago, I probably would have jumped all over it. But I said, now I'm this close. I got to at least find out. And, and that's kind of how, when the first thing really got going. And then, um, you know, when free agency happened and it started and then the Rams expressed interest and, uh, ended up going over there and, and meeting. I didn't, you know, I had, I had met coach Vermeil. He had done one of our Indiana, Ohio state games years and years ago. He and Brent Musburger, but I didn't, I mean, that's different when you meet him like that compared to when, uh, when he's back coaching. So, um, you know, getting to meet him and, and the staff and, um, kind of what the, what the idea was for the future of the team and, you know, some of the things they were, they were talking about bringing in Adam Timmerman at the time. They didn't know, you know, they're going to draft Tory. They didn't know they're going to trade for Marshall Falk at that time. Um, you know, there were just, you know, there were a lot of things going on, but that's, that's when that all first kind of started, started happening. And it's pretty crazy how it all works out. Then you and Vermeil are in Kansas city together. You're a pro bowler a couple of times, and then you guys are best of friends. And I know, by the way, every time I see him, and I see him giving wine away. I said, Trent asked me, are you still giving that wine away? Stop giving that wine away. But how, how often do you talk to Coach? Uh, I would say during the season we talk at least every other week. Nice. Uh, and that's at least. Um, uh, we'll talk about what the Rams are up to. We talk about what the Chiefs are up to. You know, We get into some Philly conversation because he spends most of his time in, in, in Philly. Um, you know, We just talk about the NFL in general. Uh, we do – you know, we'll talk about the wine. You know, he loved, he just sent me, the funny thing is he just sent me this video. He was, he loves going out during harvest season um, for the wine. And, and so he loves getting on a tractor. He, he's he got a tractor at his, it is yeah. his place in Philly. You know, he's got a bunch of acreage and he just loves getting on the tractor. So he gets out there. He sends me this video of a, of one of the guys uh, harvesting grapes. And, and he's just proud of because he's like, oh, this is like a, this would be a first round pick, and and the guy is just like the way he's harvesting the grapes. It's just so efficient and so quick, and and just working through it. And he was so proud of that, and uh, and he sent me the video of that. Um, so yeah, he loves that, and, it, and they they you know I think they stayed out there for about ten to twelve days during harvest time, just because they both he and Carol love love that aspect of it, um, uh, and, he, and being back around home, and then uh, and then yeah, so so we touch base. Uh, quite a bit and then the off season it's it's probably every three to four weeks something like that because he, he does some traveling and hunting and um you know is goes sees his grandkids and and on down the line but uh yeah no he 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 means the world to me we, we we've uh we've stayed close over the years if you look back what are you most proud of with your career and I mean, I mean, I think of the fact that you know that hit by Harrison we all talk about it in St. Louis ad nauseum etc but you played about another 10 years after that and had great success. I mean, for some folks that could have been, you know, oh, that's the end of the road or I'll never be quite as good as I was. But how about for you? What's your great greatest takeaway from the career? Well, I think, I think the thing, um, just the persistence, um, you know, there was a bunch of times I could have given up. You know, I was out of football for a year, uh, went to Canada, got cut up there. I mean, it was this there was a lot of points where I could have just said, you know what, it's time to move on. And, and so uh, the perseverance, um, the work, uh, just sticking to it, you know, and then, and then finally getting to the point where I get the contract and the stability and I'm a starter and, you know, get to St. Louis and then the injury happens. 
Uh, I think at that point in time, it was more of the, um, you know, the Wally Pitt story just kept popping in my head. I'm like, okay, I don't want to be, you know, 10, 20 years from now. And everybody goes, man, remember that Super Bowl year? And, you know, what a, you know, Kurt Warner is an unbelievable player. And, and, and hey, whatever happened to that guy? Whatever, what, remember the guy that played in the preseason? What, what was that guy's name? And what did he, you know, and it was just like, I just remember going in um, to rehab and the surgeries. I ended up having five surgeries and just all the, the work that went into it. And then um, to have it, to have it actually pay off and, and to put together, I ended up starting, got to Kansas City. And one of the things I'm most proud of is I, I started 81 consecutive games in Kansas City um, and then until I had the bad concussion in, in 2006 where I got knocked out against the Bengals in the opener. But um, 81 consecutive games. So, so that, you know, just the perseverance and the work and everything that went into it and then all of a sudden, you know, stay healthy and, and, and to, you know, um, have have some success and, and do the things that we did. So that's probably – and I think I did it the right way. You know, I, I feel like I did it the right way there. You know, I look back and, and, you know, I don't have any regrets. I do wish maybe there was – that I was maybe a little bit singularly focused for a period of time because I was trying so hard to make it just to stick around the league. And then it was trying so hard to stay as the starter. It's so hard – it's hard. It, it really is. And especially, you know, coming from where I came from, you know, where Kurt came from, where like Mark Balger came from, but you know, it's like you go to, you know, Matt Hasselbeck, you know, guys that aren't drafted, like, you know, that are given a bunch of opportunities, you know, it's, um, it's hard to stick around. And, and so, you know, sometimes I reflect back on it and I was like, well, maybe I should have tried to enjoy it. Not that I didn't enjoy it, but it's like, I was so focused on, on just the task at hand. And, and, and maybe if I had been a little more lax and been more enjoying the moment, then maybe I wouldn't have lasted as long or had as much success. I don't know. You know, it's, it's like you weigh one side of it, you weigh the other. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I, that I hung in there and stuck with it. And that uh, you know, had the, ended up with a 15 year career and, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I feel, uh, I feel good about that. The longevity of it and, and having, uh, being able to stick with it and have some success. And this is when I knew you were going to be a great broadcaster. We're doing Rams preseason, summer of 2009, and my theory was, well, Trent's such a nice guy. I wonder, I'm going to coach him up a little bit, and I'm no Kevin Harlan, but I'm saying, don't forget, part of the job, you've got to be a little bit critical. you got to sometimes critique a play, and you turned to me and you said, Martin, don't forget, this is the regime that cut me, okay? And I thought, oh, <laughs> oh, good point. Yeah, he probably won't have any problems being uh, critical yeah, if necessary. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> that's the uh you know spags is here now yep spags is that spags is the defensive coordinator for the for the chiefs and it has been for several seasons so you know and, and now i'm doing the Chiefs preseason so i i i see him all the time and i and i uh remind not him that i remind I, I i don't remind him every year but it's uh you know every now and then it's, it's fun just to, to bring it up so. trent so great to hear your voice keep up the good work and uh fun for folks in st louis to hear from you so thanks again Hey, always great catching up. Good talking to you. And, uh, yeah, we'll do it again down the road. Such a good guy. Trent Green did a little bit of preseason work with him one summer. And uh, just everybody loves Trent. You go walk around Arrowhead. We were there one time, and everybody knows him. He's become entrenched, really, in Kansas City. His boys all went to high school there and played some football. Went over and did a story one year. Gosh, it's probably been nine years ago. His son, TJ, was leading Rockhurst to the state title game. 
and it was going to be his son playing in the dome where dad had the horrific injury. It was a great story. We went over to Kansas City to do it. And I remember some of my CBC friends saying, really, you're doing a story on them? Well, yeah, even though I went to CBC, it's it's a good story. And um, always love catching up with Trent. We'll do it again this football season. All of the Kilcoin conversations are coming to you from the Pasta House Studios. Newest location, corner of Woodlawn and Manchester Road. Everything's great. The salad, the bread. You're not going to make it far because you'll get an appetizer, have some salad, have some bread. You'll be full, but you don't want to do that because the pasta dishes are unbelievable. Pasta con broccoli, the lasagna, everything you get made fresh. You can taste the difference at the pasta house. Marita Villa Senior Living. We're about a month away from the Christmas tree lighting. Largest outdoor Christmas tree in St. Louis County. Part of the festive vibe you get when you drive by the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. You can tell it's a great place to live in your senior years. You can get a tour at M-A-R-I. That's M-A-R-I, Marie Davila, D-E-V-I-L-L-A.com. MarieDavilla.com to take a full tour. Appliance discounters with General Electric rebates. I always tell folks, just get in the search engine, type in General Electric, see what kind of deals that are going on because on top of the already low prices, GE often has some great discounts as well. It's theappliancediscounters.com. And Triad Bank truly is the neighborhood-friendly bank. My mom loves going in there and just sitting in the lobby and talk to some folks, have some coffee. Now, don't tell the CEO, Jim Regna, that Martin said, you just want to have some coffee and hang out. But it's that kind of deal where you go in and they're friendly, which just isn't the case anymore with most of these big corporate banks. We love the folks at Triad Bank and appreciate all their sponsorship on our segments. It's triadbanking.com. Don't forget to check out all of our segments, Spotify, iTunes, even some past episodes. If you missed something, go back and find it. Bernie Federko, Joey Vitale talking blues hockey. Dan McLaughlin and I do a segment, Great Talk, every Monday. You can find that at scoopswithdannymac.com. So we'd love to hear some uh, feedback as well. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Martin Kilcoin. We'll talk to you again soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.